Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Mark 3, 1 through 6, The Man with the Withered Hand. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so I am completely unaware of this story <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So start from the beginning for me. Who is this guy who shows up apparently in Mark? Well, this is a fascinating situation and a wonderful story. So we are in the Gospel of Mark. It's this gospel that goes super fast. Everything happens immediately. And in chapter three, we see Jesus go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Okay. And the religious authorities are beginning to try to set him up in one way or another. Because they're nervous about what he represents or the power that he's getting? Yep. Okay. And so into this Sabbath day synagogue gathering, they bring a man with a withered hand. And Jesus sees what they're doing. This group that is trying to bring this person in. And the challenge that is being set up here is whether or not Jesus will heal him. Okay. Because to do a healing on the Sabbath day is to break the Sabbath. That's such a silly technicality, if you ask me. Right? But it is work. Mm -hmm. It is doing work on the Sabbath. And so they're setting this impossible conundrum in front of Jesus. Either allow this person to continue to suffer and be excised from community and kept from community and kept from wholeness and shalom for another day or break the law and heal someone on the Sabbath. And Jesus takes in this whole situation. It's in public. He's been completely set up in public and ambushed in this situation. And he looks at the whole situation and his response in this gospel is to get angry Mm -hmm. And he gets angry and he asks the community, what is better to do? Is it better to let someone die or to heal them on the Sabbath? And calls them back to a, a Jewish concept that life is the most important thing of all. We heard some about this concept at the beginning of the pandemic when there were questions about whether or not doing work or helping those with COVID-19, how to respond to it and keep Sabbath law for those who are faithful. And this concept that life is the most important thing, that you can break any other religious law if it is in order to promote the life of another person and to keep their life safe and sacred. Mm-hmm. And so in this question, Jesus reminds them of this concept that the life of our community is more important than any religious law we may try to create. And so he reaches out and he heals the man. The withered hand is restored. The man can return to work, can return to community, can return to his life. And Jesus in fury and rage, looks at these religious leaders knowing full well exactly what has just happened. 
And that is the moment in Mark's gospel where the religious leaders then begin to go and plot to kill him. That's the turning point. Okay. So I read this scripture for the first time while I was in seminary in my gospels class. And I had been asking my professor, like trying to figure out how it was that people could justify connecting social action and political action in my eyes at that time with their faith. I really thought that they should be two separated things, that it made no sense from what I understood that you would take political action or take social action based upon your faith. I did not see social justice Jesus, which now, super ironic. (laughs) But remember, (laughs) I was really, really young in my faith and still really steeped in where I am from and my family of origin. Mm -hmm. And so my professor, so patient, so kind, Dr. Robert Smith, huge impact on my life, amazing man. Dr. Smith was just very sweet and patient as I was trying to say, well, that's not part of Jesus and that doesn't make any sense. And then, and then I start reading the gospels and I get to this passage and I read it. And it was the first moment where I could see how the world that God longs for and the world that we create with our rules and systems do not always match. And the work of being a Jesus follower is to take these rules that we have created and get past them as a rule follower. This is super hard for me. I am a super rule follower. Yes, and it seems like a silly one in terms of the consequences are so big. I mean, the amount of work that you see being done, especially with it being Jesus, I'm like, it doesn't seem like he's taxed overly by doing this particular act. And yet the good that's going to come out of it, all I can think of is, come on. Right. But it is a holy rule. Mm hmm. And it is a cultural rule. And so to understand that when it comes to creating the world that God intends for us, finding justice for those who seek justice, finding healing for those who need healing, for those pieces of our story that our laws, our religious laws or our country's laws that would stop us from being able to create the world that God longs for, where all have enough and no one has too much, that this was the first time I saw Jesus breaking that law and doing so with anger, because obviously, if this man could be healed, he should be. Mm -hmm. And not tomorrow when it's more convenient. Right now. Right in this moment. Right when it first is available and could happen. I mean, that's the other part of the problem for me that I have a hard time getting past. So you get up, what, 12 hours later and heal him the next day? Is it worth Mm -hmm. that to everybody that it has to happen this way? I mean, it does because otherwise the story wouldn't continue, right? Right. And I think the question on that would be, is it saving his life to restore the hand? Or is it a minor healing? Mm Mm-hmm. But if the idea is that it is a wholeness of a person and not in an ableist way, not to say that someone who has a hand that is 
differently functioning than other hands, that they are not whole in and of themselves. But if we're looking at this story and understanding that this is about restoration to a wholeness of purpose and a wholeness of community, which Mm -hmm. is what healings are for Jesus, then there's a huge piece here that life is about this fullness of wellness. Life is about receiving all that it is that we need, not just what we want or what people think we deserve. And I guess for myself, Jesus is righteous anger in this moment to be like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. You would rather this person suffer longer and not, you're not going to like, seriously, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And it gave me such freedom and permission to understand and to look into the gospel and to look into the Jesus story for those places where Jesus gets angry at the world, where the places where Jesus breaks the rules, the places where Jesus crosses the line and says, I will choose compassion over abiding by your order of things. And for me, that was incredibly world-changing. It shifted my entire perspective on who Jesus was, how Jesus was in the world, and what this gospel has to say about how we live our daily lives. And so when I look at this passage now, I was talking with a friend who's been doing some direct relief work Mm -hmm. with our houseless community here in Portland. And she asked me for some words that might help to understand this. And I, I talked about this particular passage with her. And I said, there's this, this point in the Greek where he says, having looked. And it's that sense of not just like checking things out, scanning the room, but like having looked and having seen what was in their hearts, seeing what was happening in this space taking in this using another human being for your political advantage, taking someone else's misery and using it as a tool in your political discourse, setting it up so that you can utilize someone else's sorrow for your own gain. That entire dynamic infuriated Jesus. And I don't know of a better passage right now to frame how I can try to look at this challenge of getting homes or finding housing for our neighbors than to look at this and see people who are aching for place to be and belonging and healing and how that this community is getting used for political power and for ways for people to think, oh, this person has the answer and so we need to do this, or this person is, right? Like they're being used as pawns instead of as human beings deserving of love and compassion and joy and all of the dignity that they deserve. And that fury... I can absolutely tap into and find resonance and find, okay, well then what would Jesus do? Jesus would get angry and would find a way to help these folks. I guess that would be my next question. What do you do when you find yourself 
in the role of Jesus in that position because it often feels like unlike somebody who can work literal miracles, mm-hmm. we're powerless in these situations. I can recognize it until the cows come home. There are many, many parallels in today's culture where mm-hmm. similar things are going on. But how do I do something? How do I use that anger and help the world? And that's where we have plenty to learn, right? And part of it starts by simply building genuine relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. So that we are able to ask the question of what do you actually need? Sure. We're getting back to what Deacon Bonnie was talking about when she sat down and discussed community organizing with me. Exactly. And learning how to ask the questions, learning how to be in relationship, learning how to have those conversations. Because who's to say that the man with the withered hand actually thought that his hand needed to be fixed? He might have wanted something else to happen. It could be. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll trust that Jesus could figure that out with him, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, for us in our context, trying to live this out in good faith, I think it's important that we remember that we ask individuals what it is that they really need and want mm-hmm. and build relationship. It's like the difference between saying, oh, well, I'm going to give this houseless person a frozen turkey on Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh-huh which is super not helpful. Please note for the future, don't do that. Or asking them what it is that they need. And if what they want is needle exchange, then learning how to do that with integrity Mm -hmm. and finding how to build a relationship authentically and to have conversation in order to create the paths to mutual aid, learning what mutual aid is and how to do it in a way that maintains dignity and builds community at the same time. I think there's more and more conversation about these things that is happening in our community and around Portland in particular right now. But I think when we are able to do that, when we are able to have the conversations and be in genuine relationship, then we're able to provide what is genuinely needed. We are able to be present in that moment in truly impactful ways. Given how much this particular scripture passage has meant to you, why do you think it doesn't come up more, especially as social justice is becoming more and more of an issue? I don't know. It's not a lectionary text that I'm aware of. Okay. I have never preached on it because it doesn't come up in the lectionary. Interesting. Right? It's a short text. You know, it's verses one through six. It's a brief pericope. And I think that it's easy to pass over. I think it's easy to ignore it. I think it's easy to not catch how pivotal this moment, this choice, like I have to believe that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And making this choice to say the wholeness of this person is more important than your rules begins the pathway to his death. Sure. I mean, if you're going to take everything else that happens that Holy Week as he knew every step that was going to come up, it stands to reason that he would understand this is a pivotal point, too. And this is early in his ministry. This is super early because we're only in chapter three of the Mm -hmm. Gospel of Mark, right? But I think that Jesus has an inkling that when you choose the kingdom of God over the kingdom of of human control, that tends to get you in some trouble. Is there a similar story in any of the other Gospels in terms of being tested like this by the authority that is at the time? 
I think that this does show up in another gospel in a little bit of a different way. Mm -hmm. It's not so obviously a turning point as this is. And I think that you could see the anger in Jesus and the breaking of religious law when you take a look at the turning of the table in the temple yard. That's the story I was thinking of. Totally. This just happens earlier in Mark's gospel, and it includes that element of healing as the pivotal piece. And there's that element of another human being being used as a pawn Mm -hmm. in power games that have nothing to do with them. And I'll say that we never know what happens to this man. Which is not unusual for stories in the Bible. Totally. Truly, this person is this passive identity within this story. And I would be fascinated to wonder and spend time with this idea of what happens in this person's life and how is this person's life changed from this moment. Just a curiosity and a wondering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one hopes that it would be for good and helps bring this person back into community instead of the alternative, which is to be continually bullied by the people who brought them there because he's bringing down the downfall of Jesus. Right. It's fascinating to wonder. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's going to lead me to my last question. Where does this rank in your favorite scripture verses? You said it was very pivotal for you, but I know that there are other stories that are as well. Yeah. It wasn't an ordination text. I'll say that. So it's not a text that I associate with my public ministry. And you've never preached on it, you said. I haven't preached on it because I'm a lectionary preacher, so I don't go off text and choose my own stuff very often. I would say that it's in my top 10. Okay. When it comes to my own personal sense of faith life and how I feel convicted to live my faith life, it might be number one. Okay. I'll say that my ordination scriptures, that's the Isaiah passage and the here I am send me and the passage of we are all one body, but have many gifts. We all Mm -hmm. need to be a part of this in order for it to work. Mm -hmm. And then my gospel text was you are a light on a hill, shine, don't hide. So those were my three scripture texts for my ordination. And they really have, which is not an, electionary event. So we get to choose our actual scriptures. Those really guide me in centering myself in service, reminding myself that this is not something I do alone and challenging to live life in a public way. But those three are kind of supportive to this text, which is why I do this in the first place. Why I can believe in Jesus as more than just a good teacher, as more than just a cool guy who did some stuff. But this text reminds me that Jesus was a rule breaker who cared more about healing than about being safe, more about restoring the world to wholeness than he did about impressing people in power, more about bringing a wellness to God's creation than being recognized as a safe and good religious leader. And I think that that makes this text for me a core heart text and my own understanding of why I believe in Jesus and why I follow this Jesus life and that it centers on healing is not, does not escape me. Right. I think that that is a huge thing for me personally, 
And so for me, it is one of those primary foundational texts to hold on to in understanding why I am even Christian in the first place. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the man with the withered hand. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you for joining along in the conversation. If you want to find this text to read through it yourself, again, you'll find it in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I would love to hear what you think about it, your questions, your comments, your wonderings, what you see in it. You can reach out to me at pastor at centralportland.org or reach out to Don and I together at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.